Ten to One, Episode Eighty Two. Top Ten Reasons to Read Books. Welcome to Ten to One, the podcast where we make top ten lists about everything. I'm Melissa Kozer. And the person who doesn't read lives only one life. The reader lives five thousand. Reading is immortality backwards. Umberto Eco. But I'm Brian Kozer, and we're here to talk about top ten reasons to read books. How'd you like that intro? I thought it was edgy. I'm still trying to make up my mind about it. I, I want to be supportive and say it was wonderful and enriching and unique. Yep. But I really don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you just don't appreciate quotes, good quotes about reading. Well, no, it's a really good quote. It was just not the time to do it. It was the time. Uh, listeners, write in and tell us it was the time. TTO Listen, write in and tell us .us. if you think we should change how we do our podcast. All right. And since all those emails come through me, we will... No, I see them too. <laughs> <laughs> I get an alert when they show up. <clears throat> That's just comments on the website. Listeners, send th your feedback to TTO <laughs> at .us. Bypass huh. Melissa. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, we... We're talking about reasons to read books, and there's multiple things that we've been thinking about, uh, certainly that I've been thinking about. Melissa, you were the one, I think, that uh, actually pulled the trigger on doing this episode, so uh, things that you have that you want to share as well that we're going to get into, uh, just uh, go ahead and say up front that we're not anti-technology. No. If we have to say that coming to you for, through a podcast. <laughs> Then, uh, <laughs> no, but uh, I spend a lot of time on Facebook. Okay, I'm not anti Facebook. Yeah, well, and if you think about it, books are technology, and the recent, recently invented technology for us. Yes, they seem old hat, but I mean, the printing press 500 years ago, the common man has really only been reading books for a s small, small portion of of human history, just a, a small percentage. So, uh. One twelfth, yeah. I well, I don't know the. If you go for a young Earth view, yeah, I think even if you go for an old Earth view, you think humans have been around for about that long. So sure, a twelfth, a sh short amount of time that we've been really, you know, the common man reading books. So uh, new technology, and uh, yeah, so we're not anti-technology, but we are going to talk about why you should read books. We enjoy. Uh, the internet, we enjoy TV and movies, but that's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about why you should read books. So we've got 10 different reasons that we're going to come at you with. We're going to talk about some things that will personally change you and improve you. And then we're going to talk about some things that are uh, unique to books themselves and the process of making books. And uh, yeah, I think, I think this is going to be an interesting conversation and... Uh, maybe uh, a helpful one, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna end this episode with a challenge, a challenge for all the listeners. So, uh, without any further ado, why don't we go ahead and jump right in? So Melissa, hit us with number ten. Okay, number ten. And by the way, we combined our lists because oh, yeah. they were gonna be pretty similar. Right. This is a combined list for yeah, the first so, time in a little while. Yeah, we're just gonna go back and forth reading them, but we both agree on all of these. Yeah. Okay, so our number 10 is they increase your knowledge of vocabulary and grammar. So personally, from my own experience, I will say that growing up as far as grammar, you know, you're in English class and you're learning all the rules. I before E, except after C, except in neighbor and way, and you'll always be wrong no matter what you say. And... I never memorized any of those rules because I would just look at a sentence and think, you know, play it around in my head. Does this sound right? Does it sound wrong? <laughs> and I kid you not, 98, 99% of the time, however I thought it sounded, I was correct. And all of that came purely because I had read a lot of Brute books force. growing up. 
And so I'd learned, I'd, I'd just absorbed by reading what is good, what, what good grammar is. So it, it just became second nature to me to recognize if a sentence has good grammar or not. And then you learn so many more words. Uh, I speak two languages, English and Spanish. I was raised in a, a Spanish country and I will say that the, t- the very few times that I read Spanish books, it really increased my vocabulary in that language. And obviously in English, hmm. uh, same way. But I noticed it more coming at it with a brand, you know, a language that's not my first. So, yeah. yeah you should read Don Quixote in Spanish and let me know how good it is in Spanish. You know, I kind of think I will. Yay. What a, what a great idea hatched here yeah, live. I'm going to write that down. Okay. Well, while you do that, let me just uh, put in my two cents. So, yep, agree with what you said. And I'll just say uh, grammar and vocabulary important because written communication is more important uh, or as important at least as it's ever been. So I went to school for computer science. I have a job as a software developer. And I would say that... Writing is just as valuable a skill as uh, programming. In my job, I spend a whole lot of time writing emails. I spend a whole lot of time writing up uh, various reports and papers. And um, then in uh, you know oral communication, so meetings or presentations, comes up all the time. So yeah, any any way that you can improve uh, vocabulary. Uh, grammar, spelling, all those yeah. things. Those are going to be helpful. Uh, that was actually most jobs. It's going to help when you're crafting those Facebook posts to be able to communicate what you want to get across. <laughs> I mean, just every, just about everybody's going to have to uh, be writing or communicating in in some fashion for jobs or for uh, you know at your church or volunteering or even just in your family. Uh, so, uh, that's when those things are going to, uh, be helpful. So all the time. Yeah. And you mentioned spelling. I forgot to mention that earlier, but that was another thing that reading helped me a lot with. I had never really struggled much with spelling. I was in a lot of spelling bees. I was, I'm good at spelling because I did so much reading that I just automatically knew how things should be spelled. I mean, obviously there's some words that are harder than others, but for the most part, it really helps you with spelling. And yeah, you mentioned Facebook posts. Let me tell you, people, I can't take you seriously when you can't spell the simplest things. Maybe you're in a hurry, but no, I don't know that. Yeah, but people phones have, have autocorrect the these time these days. I don't know. It just you you need to read what. <laughs> you're about to post before you post it, okay? It just really discredits you if you don't read it over. It discredits you if uh, there are, are misspellings in your resume, in your, you know, your business mm-hmm. letter or whatever. You need to know how to spell and shouldn't be t- depending on autocorrect to get it right for you. Autocorrect might correct to something wrong. So... Read books. It'll improve your vocabulary, grammar, and spelling. All right. On to number nine. And this was one I think you would come up with, Melissa, that it increases your creativity. And it's just sort of that idea that everything is a remix and there's nothing new under the sun. So the more things you expose yourself to, um, uh, the more uh, that you're going to uh, be creative yourself and uh, is that kind of what you were thinking, or do you have another tack? Well, kind of the way that I came at it is that, uh, I mean, growing up, you know, you might not think, imagine of, uh, let's go into the fantastical realm, unicorns and dragons and genies and and flying carpets and what have you. So it, you know, you learn about these things, and it just... It just makes your mind soar of, oh, if this is possible, flying carpets that you could sail off onto to a magic cavern, you know, then what else might be possible? 
and uh, books that suck you into their world and and the the characters in there come alive. It, it just opens up your mind to new possibilities is kind of what I was thinking with this one. Okay, nice. Well, is there anything else? No, that's, that that's pretty much it. Very good. All right, let's move on to number eight then. And uh, what's number eight, Melissa? It increases your focus and your logical thinking. And this one is more from you. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to let you take the lead on this one. Sure. So this is definitely one that I've been thinking about as I read a book called From the Garden to the City by John Dyer. I highly, highly recommend it. Go on Goodreads and see my review for that one. And uh, he talks about a lot of different things. It's it's a book about uh, the philosophy of uh, morality as it relates to technology and a philosophy of, of how Christians should use technology. Very interesting and uh, makes you think. And one of the things that he talks about, I guess it, maybe his main thesis is that uh, the medium uh, that you consume uh, itself changes you. So for example... Uh, you could read a book about uh, the Bible, uh, you know, a theology book or or some sort of apologetics book, and you could read some sort of, uh, you know, atheist screed, uh, some some book that's you know very anti-religion, um, or you could read uh, the Twitter account of a pastor and theologian, and read the, the Twitter account of um, like a Neil deGrasse Tyson or or someone, some atheist, um, and reading those books, no matter if you're what the content of them is, and reading the Twitter accounts, no matter what the content of them is, uh, it's going to uh, change you in some way. So, for example, Twitter is uh, very much about uh, short, bite-sized, um, pithy sayings, um, you know, people will try and get uh, like one-liners and, um, you know, very short things that will make an impact on you. And then books are, are longer form. Uh, they uh, tend to uh, take more time to develop their ideas. So it uh, helps you think linearly. Um, it helps you think logically. Um, they make you slow down um, as opposed to uh, you know, something like a, uh, a movie for example, which is it can be fast-paced, uh, it can uh, really engage your emotions and uh, speak to you on that level. Books uh, tend to be more uh, logical, tend to be more uh, intellectual, and engage you in that way. So uh, it's definitely something that uh, it, it's a skill that you have to learn, right? So uh, I know uh, there was a few years ago where I had uh, stopped reading as many books we were doing other things, and then I started getting back into reading more serious books, and it was hard. It was hard to focus. It's hard to just sit down and read for a long period of time. I just wanted to, you know, read for a few minutes and then go check my phone and see if, if there are any updates on, on any of my apps or whatever, see if I had any emails or see if there's something new on Reddit. And so uh, to be able to uh, sit down, focus, and read, um, it is a skill that you have to learn, and it, you're only going to get it by reading. Um, but I think that there are benefits to it even more than just um, reading makes you better at reading. <laughs> That's definitely tautological. Um, so uh, if reading only made you better at reading, then there might you could argue there's not much of a point. But I think it does change your your thinking, change your mind, and and how it works. And I think that's worthwhile. Yeah, it might help with your attention span and mm-hmm. your patience for tasks and i don't really have anything more to say cool all right on to number seven and that it's that uh it can help you gain empathy so with this we're speaking specifically of uh fiction and even more specifically uh literary fiction so if you want to read the whole article uh there's an article on scientific american uh, that I'll put in the show notes. You can go read more about in other places. But uh, they did a study where they had, uh, I think it was children, uh, read different types of books. So they had them, uh, some read nothing, some of them read nonfiction, some of them read 
uh, like more modern fiction, uh, uh, genre fiction, I guess you'd say like science fiction, fantasy. And uh, then they had some people read literary fiction. So, you know, like the classics, uh, books that focus more on uh, people and their relationships and Mm -hmm. things that they do, real life, uh, real life fiction, I guess you might kind of say. And they found that those people that read that uh, last category, literary fiction, uh, when they took the, uh, the test that they were doing, uh, it was a test about um, their ability to understand other people's thoughts and emotions. And they found that uh, the ones that uh, the people that read literary fiction were the only group to increase uh, in their ability to um, pick up on, on other people's um, emotions, other people's thoughts uh, in this test that they did. So... Uh, basically, the thought is uh, reading this kind of, uh, you know, you could you could read, um, uh, you know, blow them up science fiction, and there's no problem with that. that that's fun. It's fun to read fun things. Um, but this specifically, they're talking about you're reading things about characters. Uh, you're putting yourself in another person's shoes. Um, you're seeing that person interact with others. Uh, you're seeing maybe things that thwart your expectations and uh, things that... Uh, you're not expecting or uh, Im- people experiencing different experiences, seeing them go through these things, and it just helps you be uh, more empathetic in real life. Sounds good. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty cool. That is number seven. It'll help you gain empathy. All right. Number six is books are just plain fun. Yay. Yeah. So it's a really great way to relax. Uh, I mean... Sure, it might be a tense moment in the book, but it's still, (laughs) uh, you know, you can just sit down and relax. You're not going to be white-knuckled gripping the page, probably. (laughs) Uh, It's a way to escape from your problems, and yes, you do need to face your problems, but sometimes you just need to step away from your problems for a little (laughs) bit, too. And, you know, just relax, escape from it. Don't think about it for a while so that you can get refreshed. And what better way than to sail away to some far-off distant land in a book? And uh, we talked about it a little bit earlier already, about how it excites your imagination. It, uh, not only does it stimulate creativity, but uh, it just opens you up to whole new worlds. And last but not least, it's a good way to keep your brain active. So you can be doing a chore and listen to an audiobook, uh, which I think still counts as reading a book. <laughs> yep. And that way you're not just standing there and, and you know, doing whatever chore and and just sort of letting your mind wander. You're ac- you're actively keeping your brain focused on something. And that's a really good thing. So it's a way to exercise your brain, but in a very enjoyable way. (laughs) So that's number six. Books are fun. Oh, I still had some more to add to that. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's a great thing to do uh, transitioning from, uh, you know, when you're getting ready for bed, uh, just to sort of slow down and relax. Take it easy to read a few pages in your book. And, uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's something about when you're inside and it's raining and you don't have anything else to do. You don't have any responsibilities or, or work to get oh, done. I know. You can just curl up and read a book. Or when you're on the beach and you're just relaxing in the sun, mm-hmm. laying on the beach reading a book. So, yeah, and they're, they're definitely a lot of fun. There's... Uh, I mean, there's books about everything, so there's Mm -hmm. definitely uh, ones that are uh, rollicking romps that you should be able to uh, find uh, whatever you're interested in. Yeah, there's a book out there for everyone, Mm -hmm. whatever topic that interests you. Right. Yep, that's number six. Okay, number five for me is, well, not for me. For both of us. us. Uh, Number five is that with ebooks and audiobooks, it's easier than ever. Right. So, you know, a hundred years ago when you had hardback books, that's probably not something you were going to be, you know, carrying a stack of hardback books around 
as you're walking through the street or hopping on the subway uh, or you know uh, in your in your automobile or steamership <laughs> uh, you know you're you're much more limited but uh, now uh, paperbacks of course much smaller and easier to carry around but now even easier uh, you have ebooks so uh, if you have a smartphone or if you have a tablet you can have uh, thousands of books in your pocket uh, which is great for when you are oh, I don't know, uh, taking a break at work for a few minutes, or you're at the grocery store standing in line, or just any time you have some downtime. And, you know, a lot of people like to uh, check Facebook or check the email on if they have smartphones, or, you know, you just sit and stare off into space. Well, that's fine, but you can also pull out a book. Uh, and audiobooks. Another thing you can uh, put on if you have a, uh, an iPod or a media player, or more likely a smartphone again uh, when you're driving, when you're doing menial work, uh, you're doing the dishes, you're mowing the lawn, uh, you can pop in an audiobook. And uh, yeah, I agree. I agree that counts. <laughs> uh, listening to somebody uh, read a book to you, uh, or if you're like we read books to each other sometimes, mm-hmm. I think that counts. That, that counts as much as reading it yourself. So, uh, I mean, there's so much time that you have. Uh, Either your eyes, uh, you're, you know, you're doing something uh, with your ears or you're, you're just waiting and you have your eyes available and just quietly be reading a book or you have your ears available because you're doing something with your hands that you don't really need to be thinking about. So you can really, uh, we're going to get to this a little bit later, but you can find time to read books if you want to. Uh, it's really, uh, I mean, we can all make excuses. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm definitely not a high volume uh, book reader these days, so I'm right there with you uh, on doing other things. But uh, we we definitely have the opportunity to read books. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's not a difficult thing with the technology that we have now. So anything to add to that, Melissa? No, not really. All right, that's number five with ebooks and audiobooks. It's easier than ever. All right, number four is authors have no budget. (laughs) So you mentioned uh, to me earlier when we were talking about this topic that with movies, uh, sometimes they've got to go with uh, kind of the cheaper special effect, Mm -hmm. uh, maybe the easy to put up the, what's it, digital version. The CGI. Yeah, CGI. They, They can't spend a lot of money mm-hmm. doing a whole bunch of takes uh, of it done, being done real life until right. they get that perfect shot <laughs> or uh, all these uh, special effects that they might have to do to make it look really great. Right. Uh, because, that, you know, a lot of times that costs money and filmmakers are on a budget. But an author, he doesn't have a budget. He can write whatever he wants, however he mm-hmm. wants. Yep. And the only limit is your imagination. Perhaps the author's uh, vocabulary. Right. <laughs> but uh, you take a really skilled author, mm-hmm. uh, and the example that springs to my mind is John Milton. Mm. Boy, when I read John, uh, Paradise Lost, beautiful language. Or uh, one of the classics, another one uh, is... Dracula. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, masters of the language that just stir your imagination. They paint such vivid pictures. And I don't know that any uh, any filmographer could quite capture the essence uh, as beautifully as some of these writers have put it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, can anybody really capture Shakespeare? on the stage or on uh, screen as well as he himself has written it, you know? Hmm. So, yeah, the only limit is the author. Yeah. Authors have no budget. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's a great point that, uh, that there's some things that would be hard to capture on film. And uh, that I wasn't even thinking about that. But yeah, some things you just, you can't film. And they only work in written form. And then also, uh, you know, there's, there's, we've all seen movies from, uh, you know, 20 years ago even. And everything is, the, the special effects are cheesy. And maybe even the cinematography doesn't look great. Uh, 
yeah, but on the other hand, there's books that are hundreds of years old uh, that people are still reading. Right. Uh, you know, that you don't have to worry about. Uh, I guess you have the language that can go out of date, like Shakespeare. Well, uh, technology from a different time. Technology but, goes out of date really easily. Right, and I, people can definitely write books to where they do not hold up. So you're writing a book and you're uh, talking about, I don't know, um, your book revolves around the World Wide Web of the 1990s. <laughs> You know, that's definitely not something that... We're thinking of a specific book. <laughs> no, I wasn't actually thinking oh, of that book. I'm thinking of it. No, I'm I'm talking about you're, you're tying it all around a certain technology, yeah. and then you end up uh, moving past that technology very quickly, uh, as just as an example. Uh, but, and, and, uh, and to get, to be fair, there, there are movies that are, uh, you know, 50 years old that, that have definitely held up. Um, but I would say, uh, books definitely have the advantage of, um, you know, any, any Joe Schmo on the street can put pen on paper, write whatever comes into their mind. And, you know, if they're talented enough, uh, they can do what it would take millions of dollars and hundreds of people, uh, specializing in all sorts of, uh, you know, the film crew and, and the CGI and, uh, all those people. Uh, what it takes all those people so much money and time to do, uh, one single person can can do in a book. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, a pretty great advantage. So Number four. That's number four. No budget. Okay. And let's get to uh, just a little bit more uh, serious uh, than maybe some of the other ones. Uh, number three, uh, it's more thoughtful media. And uh, this is a little bit different than what we've talked about before. And this is the idea that uh, you know, Facebook posts, uh, Twitter, uh, just by their their nature, they are ephemeral. They're there and they're to communicate one specific moment usually, and then uh, they're done. That's that's their um, that's their purpose. You don't see people going and reading uh, Twitter accounts uh, or Twitter posts from or tweets. Sorry, you don't see people going and reading tweets from five years ago. Uh, most people don't go back through Facebook uh, timelines from years ago, unless you know uh, Facebook will, will put Memories something, or something right a memory That's fine, from previous but... years. Uh, but people aren't just going to go scroll through um, old social media for the most part. Right. It's about what's happening now. Uh, I where... had this for breakfast, <laughs> uh, which is fine. I'm not saying that's bad, uh, but it's different than than books. Books tend to be. Uh, more thoughtful, a writer t- tends to have to put uh, time, thought, uh, research into the creation of that book. And again, I mean, there's there's self-published, uh, and not saying anything bad about uh, self-publishing, that's perfectly fine, um, but uh, there are uh, published, there's a lot of self-published stuff that uh, you know, what didn't have a lot of thought and, and purpose put into it. So it's not necessarily uh, just because it's in a book uh, that it has this. That but it's better, yeah. overall, it tends to be a more thoughtful media, especially if it's something uh, that has been published because, um, mm-hmm. you know, the author has to put together the book. They have to pitch it to the publisher. The publisher has to decide to publish the book. Um, and from what... From what I've read, it's less than one percent of submitted manuscripts that get published. Oh, Almost nothing gets published. <laughs> Ain't looking good for my book. Sorry, bunny. <laughs> it's probably gonna be self-published or nothing. <laughs> uh, it's yeah. So if it gets through that process, uh, if it gets through a professional editor having edited the book, you know, it's gone through all these gates, and so I uh, again, not a hundred percent. There's definitely uh, poor quality books, but on the whole, uh, going through that process, the publishing process, uh, you're going to have a better chance of higher quality, of more uh, thought and care and time put into a book. Right. And uh, for you, it sounds more like you're going on the fictional uh, aspect of it. Uh, When I mentioned this number to you, what I was thinking more was about certain topics. So say, let's just say politics, okay? Facebook posts, it's really easy to get caught up 
in uh, what other people are saying. And mm-hmm. uh, somebody makes some comment about such and such happened. And so you go do a quick Google search. Uh, did this really happen? And you click on a few right. links uh, that seem to confirm or or talk a little bit about it. And mostly you just read what other people are saying about it, other people's opinions. Um, but it's all very, very... F- very quick. It's just in a flash. Sure. Right. Uh, and you form an opinion just like that. And so then you join the mob of, oh, well, here's my opinion of it. And here's why uh, we should close the borders on immigration and so mm-hmm. forth. Right. Whereas when you read a book about it, uh, more often than not, I mean, again, like Brian said, there are some people who just throw out their opinion on it and write a book and that's mm-hmm. it. But odds are... If somebody is actually writing a book and it got published, not just self-published, but professionally done, then this thing has gone through a lot of work, okay? So this person's probably consulted experts, uh, you know, done research, here's what other, you know, the experts are saying, not just uh, your friends on Facebook who all think like you do and you're all uh, retweeting the same little things in a, sure. in a vicious circle. <laughs> so uh, that's one thing that books really have got going for them. It could be, it could be about politics. Uh, it could be, you know, about any topic. It's going to have, it's more likely than not to have more research put into it hmm. and research that you can trust or at least that what you can think about and and consider if it's a facebook post you probably in you know and about a serious topic i don't know that you can really take those too seriously okay <laughs> i'm sure everybody means well <laughs> but how many people have you changed someone's how many people have changed someone's mind by posting on facebook about mm-hmm. the issues right Right. Yep. Yep. Just tends to be less thoughtful of a media than books. All right. Well, that was number three. It's a more thoughtful media. All right. Number two is you get exposed to ideas and uh, you you get exposed to so much when you're reading a book. Mm -hmm. Uh, Other cultures and different time periods. other people you can read about how things work and on that last one i will say i do consult uh youtube or the internet a lot more on how do i do this uh that's on how to do things but for how things are act how things actually work like how does a sewing machine work uh that uh, or how did sewing machines work back in such and such a time? Mm-hmm. Uh, how did they make cotton back in the days before we had all these machines? Uh, and so forth. I mean, how did they make clothes, not cotton? Uh, <laughs> so they document history. And they're a little more lasting, I'd say, than internet mm-hmm. articles. Right. And again, uh, they usually have uh, citations that you can actually, that are a lot easier to track down. That's one thing about the internet is that websites uh, close all the time. So you might mm-hmm. have a whole bunch of citations uh, that and links to other articles that you cite in your your online article, but you know perhaps the the link no longer works because that website uh, that you link to closed. So, uh, books are just a little more more tangible, and therefore their their information is a little more enduring. And so it's uh, it's more stuff that you can trust when you're being exposed to uh, all these different ideas and people and places and times and stuff. Right. Yep. Like you're saying, a lot of information is only found in books especially if you're going for more something that's more specialized, more esoteric, more focused. And uh, yeah, I, along with encouraging people to read books, uh, because as we talked about, there are some things that you get uh, just from reading anything, uh, just from the very nature of a book. Uh, but I definitely would say uh, 
you know, read outside your comfort zone. Maybe you really like to read, um, you know, Jeanette Oak, um, prairie romance kind of stories. Maybe you should pick up uh, some nonfiction from a different time period that, that you're interested in. Um, or maybe you just read uh, Star Wars books. Maybe you should pick up, um, you know, the Iliad or, or some classic book. So, uh, yeah, it's a great opportunity to expose yourself to uh, different ideas, different uh, things that, you're, uh, that you've never been exposed to. And uh, who knows, maybe you'll, you'll find a new favorite author, find a new uh, favorite uh, time period, learn something interesting, uh, enjoy yourself. Uh, so along with encouraging people to read books, I would say uh, don't just read you know, Harry Potter and, and uh, whatever's popular this week, but uh, to also uh, get a, a wide range of, of different things into your reading diet. Yep. So that's number two. It exposes you to new stuff. Yeah, and that leads right into number one. Uh, and this one is going to focus on classics. Although I touched on this a little bit before, but uh, reading classics is going to let you see uh, what humanity has deemed important and beautiful. Uh, so uh, there's <laughs> uh, the famous uh, uh, Sturgeon's Law. So I don't think, I don't know if we've talked about it in the podcast. No, I don't think we okay. have. Well, even if we have. I'll review it real quick. So Ted Sturgeon, he was a science fiction writer, and he got offended when people would tell him that uh, 90% of science fiction was terrible. And uh, he sort of bristled at that because he was a science fiction writer. And so uh, he came up with Sturgeon's Law, which is 90% of everything is terrible. Or I think he said 90% of everything is crap. And uh, his point was, uh, you know, there was Charles Dickens wasn't the only writer uh, in England in the 1800s, there were a lot of people writing, uh, but there's a reason that his have survived when a lot of others haven't. Um, and you can say that uh, from every time period. There were fewer things definitely written, uh, you know, 100 years ago, 400 years ago. Definitely more written now for sure. But, uh, you know, in every genre that you look at, uh, not even just books, um, most of what's going to be done is not going to be lasting. Uh, it's not going to uh, hold up, even the things people are really excited about, people really like. Um, so just for example, uh, you know, what what was a really popular movie uh, this year? Um, Ready Player One. A lot of people were yeah, excited about it. Yeah, I don't know it. if that one was super popular, but uh, it probably was. Um, Avengers Infinity War. Avengers Infinity War. We both liked Avengers Infinity yeah. War. Uh, both had a lot of fun watching it. Um, I don't think people will be watching Avengers Infinity War in, uh, pick a time period, 20 years, 50 years. I was going to say even five years. Yeah, I don't know how long it'll be, but, you know, there will be other things that will, will take the place of um, of that. You know, there will be more stories uh, in that genre, more more exciting things, new things. Uh, that's probably not something that, that people are going to really be into still, but, you know, something like... Uh, Don Quixote that we already mentioned in this episode is 500 year old book and people are still reading it and enjoying it. And so, uh, you know, I would encourage you to read classics because uh, it's just going to be, um, the, the older it is, the more it's passed through that quality gate, right? So if it's a 10 year old book and people still enjoy reading it, people are still recommending it. Um, it's probably pretty good, right? There's more of a chance that it's going to be good. Uh, there's still going to be bad things that people like, but there's more of a chance that it's going to be good. If it's 100 years old and people are still reading it, people are still liking it, even a higher chance, you know, mm -hmm. uh, that, it, that it's going to be something worth reading. So I would just say uh, Sturgeon's Law plus time uh, equals uh, quality. So, you know, the longer that you go, uh, the more something has a time for people to consider it, to interact with it. Um, to uh, write their own things about it and and challenging it, uh, the more chance that uh, something is going to be worth reading. Uh, and uh, I want to read a quote from C.S. Lewis uh, about uh, reading old books, where he kind of touches on this. Uh, he said, 
it has always therefore been one of my main endeavors as a teacher to persuade the young that first-hand knowledge is not only more worth acquiring than second-hand knowledge, but is actually much easier and more delightful to acquire. Naturally, since I myself am a writer, I do not wish the ordinary reader to read no modern books, but if he must read only the new or only the old, I would advise him to read the old. A new book is still on its trial, and the amateur is not in a position to judge it. And here he's talking about uh, theological books specifically. It has to be tested against the great body of Christian thought down the ages, and all its hidden implications, often unsuspected by the author himself, have to be brought to light. Often it cannot be fully understood without the knowledge of a good many other modern books. If you join at 11 o'clock a conversation which began at 8, you will often not see the real bearing if, if what is in what is said. The only palliative is to keep the clean sea breeze of the centuries blowing through our minds, and this can only be done by reading old books. I love C.S. Lewis. Yeah. He's so great at expressing himself. Definitely. So, um, Melissa, is there anything you wanted to add? You want to put in your, your plug, your rah-rah-rah for, for classic books? <laughs> yeah, I would say that uh, just when I, I pick up a classic lately, which I've been trying to do, uh, so I've read uh, Paradise Lost, I've read Dracula and Pride and Prejudice, and those are the main three that are coming to mind. I think I might have read another classic or two uh, in the last couple of years. Uh, but I've been trying to to expose myself to, like we said, some of the stuff that has endured. Mm-hmm. And just when I read those, there are very few books that these days that I read and come away from them feeling the way I did after having read the classics. Okay, so with Pride and Prejudice, it's... Uh, you know, it's set back in this, uh, what we might consider a little more stuffy time. <laughs> uh, everybody's just very concerned with manners. And yet, uh, the people are so vivid, so real. <laughs> and uh, the deeds done by Mr. Darcy are so heroic in their own right. Uh, Paradise Lost, it's so imaginative, so gorgeous. <laughs> Uh, I have a hard time finding books these days that will take me to such heights and such such far out expanses that the classics do. Even even any something that'll compare to, uh, I guess, some more recent works of C.S. Lewis with his Chronicles of Narnia, uh, and there are some that I'd say. Uh, still do that. I'd say The Lord of the Rings does that. Um, I think Neil Gaiman is an up-and-coming writer that, uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, he's he's a fairly well-known author at this point, mm-hmm. but uh, I think he does a decent job of maybe coming second place to those, <laughs> <laughs> those second or third. Uh, but uh, there are a lot of things it's really hard to match up to the masters mm-hmm. of the ages. And so, yeah, I'd say uh, classics are the way to go. Yeah. And it's not always going to be like, first of all, it's not as hard as you might expect. Uh, no, if you it's get, uh, if you want something like, uh, like I read the, the, the Iliad and the Odyssey uh, a couple of years ago. And if you get a modern translation, it's, uh, really not difficult at all um, as far as uh, the actual reading. Well, um, and again, if it is a little bit harder, it's like we talked about in an earlier point, that it makes you slow down. You have to think about what you're reading. Right, and I was going to also add that, uh, you know, yeah, it probably will be a little bit harder uh, to pick up a book, uh, especially maybe an older book, but uh, the things that are worthwhile in life are things that you had to work for. And uh, the best, uh, so I'm told, the best uh, things uh, in life are the ones you have to acquire a taste for. So nobody likes coffee the first time they drink it, uh, <laughs> but uh, you acquire a taste for it, and that becomes uh, a pleasure, or so I'm told. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, so I would definitely encourage you uh, to to pick up 
some older books. I think it was C.S. Lewis that had the rule uh, for every new book, for every modern book that you read, uh, that you then read an older book so as to uh, keep a balance. Yeah, and uh, one more plug for classics. Uh, I'm going to say it's probably easier to find those in libraries than newer books, mm. more modern stuff. I mean, that stuff might not even be off of the the out of the stores yet and into the libraries. So, <laughs> but you can always find Pride and Prejudice in any library. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and for those that are you know 100 years old or older, you can find them for free online yeah. for something like oh. Standardebooks.org, I believe, is the best one. There's also Project Gutenberg. Uh, not as good formatting, but a lot of free free books on there, uh, public domain books. And then you mentioned the library. Yeah, definitely. Uh, this isn't something that has to be expensive. You can go get books for free at the mm-hmm. library. And uh, most libraries have uh, digital books you can check out. So again, with uh, technology... Uh, audiobooks, ebooks. Um, you can get all of those for free. And then um, my, I guess, call to action, if you're, unless you have something else to add, Melissa, with, with the classics. Uh, one other book that I thought of that I feel comes pretty close to a classic. Okay. And just the way it's written is Something Wicked This Way Comes. <laughs> I think it would be interesting uh, maybe to do a podcast of top 10 books maybe from the last we'll have to see last 50 years or last 100 years um have the best chance of becoming a classic mm, i sure hope that one makes think, it yeah that is a good one uh we'll have to up that that's less i think that'd be an interesting one but yeah so my my call to action to everyone uh to read more books uh set a goal for how many books you want to read and uh start uh plugging away yeah, so, we do that every year. Yeah. Uh, so uh, some some numbers for you. Uh, say you wanted to read 100 books in a year, which is probably more than... I, I don't think I've ever read 100 books in a year. Maybe when I was in high school, didn't have anything else to do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think very few people read 100 books a year. But if you wanted to read 100 books a year, the average book is 64,000 words. So we're talking about six and a half million words. Sounds like a lot. Uh, the average person reads 300 words per minute. So uh, that comes out to about 350 hours. You'd have to spend 350 hours in a year to read 100 average length books. Uh, so that's about an hour per day, which again does sound like a lot. But uh, if we're talking uh, you know, paper books, which you could do, I, I, you're probably going to do at home. Or maybe when you're traveling, we're talking on your phone. Uh, just when you have downtime, a few minutes here and there, and um, we're talking audiobooks. I bet you spend hours driving. A lot of you uh, drive to work. A lot of you, uh, you know, driving places on the weekend. Right. Uh, so uh, there, that right there, I bet you could find an hour per day. And uh, to put even more uh, of a perspective on it, so we're talking 350 hours. Uh, average American spends over 600 hours a year on social media. So you cut out about half your social media time, and that's about enough time for 100 books. Or, uh, and the average American spends about 1,600 hours on television. So a court, take a quarter of your television time. Uh, average person, of course, you might do a lot less, but the average person... A quarter of their television, they switch that to reading books, and there's 100 books in a year. Sure. Yep. Read what my friends are doing, mm-hmm. and get uh, one of my children is crying or me. Whereas, it's not so easy to just snuggle down, and you've just gotten comfortable, and you're reading the book, and you've just gotten back into the plot for 10 minutes, and oh, i got to put it down again, or 5 minutes. It's, it is a little easier. It is easier, but I would push back on that a little bit and say that I I think it's easier because we've made it a habit. I think it's easier to pick up our phones and, and go on Facebook just because, um, you know, you can flick through real quickly. You get that dopamine uh, feedback <laughs> from your brain by seeing new things, by seeing somebody like your post. Um, so, yeah, it is harder to read a book. We, we have talked about that 
Um, but I would push back a little bit on that and say, um, you know, what at say at the end of the year, uh, would you rather look back and say you read, you know, twenty books, ten or books, or that you, you know, yeah, you read the equivalent on Facebook? Oh, or ten years later, would you would you rather say? Uh, yes, I, I read this many books or I kept up on, on Facebook every day with with everything everyone posts. So, I'm again, I'm not saying it's wrong to go on Facebook, not saying social media or television is wrong, but I am saying I think it's another thing like uh, like dieting, like exercising, where, yes, it's easier to just sit on the couch and watch TV, but 10 years later, would you rather that you, you know, went out for a jog every night uh, and ate vegetables or that you ate a hamburger and, and sat on the couch and watched TV. So uh, it's all about, uh, you know, making hard decisions, forming good habits, <laughs> and uh, looking out for your future self. Lately has been exercising every day. Hey, I've been watching television too, and I like television. I've been trying to do it a little bit more lately, but... Again, I'm not setting myself up as uh, the chief, you know, great book reader. I think I've read, whatever, 10 books this year through half of the year when my goal was 40 for the whole year or maybe, yeah, I'm at 10 or 15, something like that. So again, I haven't read as many books as I would like to either, Uh, but I think it's something worthwhile, definitely something I want to encourage everybody to do. And uh, I think we've We've definitely given enough reasons for people to go out and do it. We've shown uh, how easy it can be. Uh, If you decide to make the difficult decisions, it can be easy. (laughs) So, anything else, Melissa, you want to add before we we wrap this up? No, I think that's it. And we hope that this has inspired you guys to go out and read some more books. Contact us and let us know what you thought of this episode. Uh, let us know what books you've decided to read as a result at cozer.us or go to our website, ttl.cozer.us. Slash 82 will take you straight to the show notes for this. Our next episode is going to be Top 10 Frozen Pizzas. That's right, we have done Speaking of good decisions today. for the future. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have not been eating our vegetables. <laughs> but it's been for you guys. Pepperoni is a vegetable, I believe. Yeah, right? In the south. <laughs> Yeah, I'm looking forward to that episode. That was a lot of fun putting that one together. Well, that's a good point. It was mostly fun. <laughs> I'm Brian Kozer. The person who doesn't read lives only one life. The reader lives 5,000. Reading is immortality backwards. Bravo, bravo! Yes, I'm so inspired. See, that right now is when you should have brought out that quote.